Hi everyone, it's Wednesday, May 12th, and uh, this is Mark Dent here with Law Trades, and welcome to uh, this week's edition of 10-Minute Legal News, the uh, voice audio version of uh, Forward GC. And, you know, this week we're going to talk about three stories as always. Um, you know, first, the uh, Facebook Oversight Board, uh, kind of inside their big decision from the last week. And we're going to talk about Section 230 and Snapchat. And then finally, we're going to hear about a, um, a, a new thing going on in the world of crypto, which is them hiring a lot of lawyers and lobbyists as they actually try to push for some regulations in a market that has not been regulated. But first, let's talk about Facebook and uh, the biggest decision its oversight board has, has made in its short history. Um, so let's start by talking first about this, um, about the, the oversight board. About a year ago, year and a half ago, it was created so that Facebook could have this, um, you know, just this like extra type of, of group to make some decisions that the company didn't feel all that comfortable making themselves. Um, Mark Zuckerberg, uh, when it was created, you know, said, this is made up of independent folks who don't work for Facebook, who ultimately get to make the final judgment call on what should be acceptable speech in a community. So they were really um, uh, kind of like an external moderation group, although the independence of the oversight board has been questioned since its inception. Facebook, though, has always said that their decisions are binding and uh, they wanted them to act particularly on kind of these big issues that are too important for the company itself to make, given obviously, you know, some of the questionable uh, things that have arisen about Facebook in the past. So enter January 6th, uh, the Capitol riots took place. Donald Trump posted some incendiary content on Facebook, as well as some other social media sites, and they all booted him off. Uh, you know, Twitter did, um, in addition to Facebook. Um, but, you know, Facebook said it was an indefinite suspension, and then they kicked it to this board to decide, like, all right, so was this legit or not? And after a few months, uh, last week, the board came back with its decision, and they said that Facebook was justified in suspending Trump but that it should not have been indefinite because the company had no established policies yet for making such a move. And uh, and then it basically said to Facebook, you need to decide now um, if you want to put him back on the platform or kick him off forever. And so even though Zuckerberg created this oversight board to remove these big decisions from Facebook, this oversight board said, hey, this is a really big decision and now you need to make it. In the sort of, uh, you know, people have, since the oversight board was created, they've, con they've considered it the Supreme Court of Facebook. And this was kind of like a Marbury versus Madison moment where uh, it, it seems like it really got the chance to um, kind of show what it show what it does and, and what it should do. Um, and, you know, Michael Barbaro, the, the New York Times uh, podcast host there of the Daily, um, you know, said, look, this is an instance of Facebook's Supreme Court kicking the case back down to a lower court. Uh, in this case, saying, you didn't do this correctly and it's your problem. You figure out how to do it correctly. And I would recommend listening to that entire episode. Um, and, and one other thing before we move on um, is that there's Kate Klonick, a St. John's law professor who has studied the oversight board since its inception. 
you know, she basically said, like, we still don't really know what this, what this even means. The oversight board entirely and this decision. And it's really going to play out over the next few months and years um, that we're really going to find out just, you know, how much Facebook is going to listen to this oversight board, how independent it really is, uh, and, and what other kinds of big decisions it can make. So it's going to be something to watch out for for a long time. As for the actual decision on Trump, the oversight board gave Facebook six months to make it. All right, moving on now to Snapchat and Section 230. So, you know, as we've written about uh, many times before here in this newsletter, Section 230 is the law that gives Internet companies uh, more or less immunity from lawsuits based on the content that their users uh, produce on on their platforms. And it, it's always and it's been under attack in recent years. It's it's about two decades old. So part of it is just like, hey, we need to change the law here. But, you know, other politicians who have issues with free speech and, and think that is is being under attack, have wanted to go after Section 230 as well. But um, kind of circumventing all of this uh, was a federal appeals court uh, that last week ruled um, that Snapchat could actually be sued uh, because of some content that some users put on their platform. And so it, this was a, an interesting case um, in the sense that it involved what is known as the speed filter for Snapchat, which I had no idea existed. But three teenagers had been using Snapchat's speed filter to sort of document their 120 mile uh, per hour plus drive on the backwards of Wisconsin. And they crashed into a tree and tragically all of them died. Um, the family sued and they argued that Snapchat was partially to blame for their death because of that filter. Uh, the case was immediately thrown out by a trial court uh, because of Section 230, more or less. But then it was brought to the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals based in uh, Northern California, which ruled that it could proceed. Um, and the judge, Kim McLean Wardlaw, wrote in the decision, quote, this type of claim rests on the premise that manufacturers have a duty to exercise due care in supplying products that do not present unreasonable risk of injury or harm to the public. So essentially, she said that the filter itself was could present risk. So it kind of was different from just your average like, hey, uh, you know, post something on Facebook or post something on Twitter um, that's harmful speech or, or dangerous speech. Um, it's the actual sort of uh, the way that the app itself was designed, this particular filter could lead to that dangerous speech. So that's what happened. And um, so the question now is, will this be a narrow ruling or could this lead to some sort of precedent? Um, well, in, in the meantime, legal experts do think that uh, lawyers might try to bring some cases against tech companies and internet companies, and uh, they may or may not be successful um, because this was a pretty specific, specific thing with this kind of speed filter. Now, the actual uh, case itself for Snapchat, it's kind of like the Facebook Oversight Board. It's going to go back down to the trial level court, and uh, that court will have to make the decision as to whether to proceed with the actual lawsuit. Okay, now, final story. We're talking about crypto, everyone's favorite. Uh, so crypto companies have been this sort of like deregulated uh, Wild West sort of market for the last 10 years plus that they have existed. It, it kind of goes with crypto itself. Uh, it's supposed to be decentralized. Um, but as it's become very much more popular, uh, there's now a lot of more action going on in Washington, D.C. 
uh, in terms of trying to regulate it. The U.S. government has, um, you know, regulated a little bit. They considered a commodity and they use the CFTC for regulation. So for publicly traded companies that are into Bitcoin, they have to, you know, they obviously have to file some, some papers to say the least. Uh, but it, it's, it's sort of, um, it's official, but it's also, um, unofficial because there's so much more movement going on that things could change in terms of who could regulate it and, and what should be regulated and everything else. So, Crypto companies have been hiring top lawyers and top lobbyists at a very astounding rate. Uh, for instance, in 2019, uh, crypto companies the whole year had uh, 19 lobbying contracts uh, in Washington, D.C. That's according to the New York Times. And this year so far, it's 65. So that's three times as much. Um, and they've they've consistently been asking the Biden administration um, in, in this letter that a few companies... Uh, signed on to for a light regulatory approach. And that may or may not happen as, as Janet Yellen, Biden's Treasury Secretary, has called it a highly speculative asset. Um, and she thinks that people need to be aware that it's volatile. So there's a chance that the Biden administration could sort of come down hard with some more regulations. The one thing that's interesting uh, in all this is, is there's a company called Ripple, which is which is actually a processing system for cryptocurrency. And they have a lawsuit against them by the SEC, and they've fought back um, against the SEC and invited others to join them. Um, and interestingly, rather than just totally say like, hey, the SEC, get out of our business, they are in some ways inviting more regulation. Um, as an intervener in this lawsuit said, Quote, the industry needs to accept that good legislation and regulation is is what is required, not no regulation. So basically, it's going to come down to the crypto companies banding together to maybe push for the regulations that are most satisfactory to them rather than rather than just saying we don't want any of this. And that's the movement that's going on uh, in Washington right now. Well, that is it for this week's edition. Um, thank you all for listening and I can't wait to talk to you again next week.